Does the math work for Chris's early retirement plan? What's a safe retirement withdrawal rate for Luke, who wants to be part of the Financial Independence Retire Early or FIRE movement? And what does Joe have against FIRE? Find out today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 441. Plus, Jake is about to change jobs. Can Joe and Big Al uncover any tax planning opportunities for him? The fellas also explain capital gains tax for our buddy Carl Spackler, and they spitball on those capital gains when it comes to selling a house for Olga and for LJ. And Jim wonders about the impact of selling a house on Affordable Care Act subsidies. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com, send in your money questions as a priority voice message or as an email, and get them answered right here on YMYW. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Got Chris from Philadelphia. Let's see. Are we on track for early retirement? I'm 38 years old. Drink of choice is Diet Dr. Pepper. Okay. Sounds, sounds okay. Expensive. Is there a question here? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Getting back to Dr. Pepper here. All right. He's 36. Loves any IPA. The hoppier, the better. Getting serious about understanding my finances and so happy to have discovered your podcast. We have two cats and an expensive addiction. Golf. Golf. You can relate. I can relate to that. It'd be hard to golf with him, with Chris from Philly. With the Dr. Pepper? Yeah. Yeah, let's pull out a drink. Okay, Joe, I got a couple extra Dr. Peppers. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm parched. You want a little diet Dr. Pepper? No, I'm going to go with a little Coors Light. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm a federal employee, salary $112,000. Wife is in healthcare, bringing in $200,000. $450,000 in my TSP have invested 100% of it in the Roth TSP since that option became available in 2012. $45,000 in a brokerage account. I max out Roth TSP and put in $1,200 a month into our brokerage account. We will receive FERS, Federal Employee Retirement uh, Pension, at my minimum retirement age of 57. Just started investing in HSAs, uh, $3,000 deductible covered, and I invest the rest. With my goal to hit the max each year moving forward. My wife has a rollover IRA from a previous employer, about $90,000, and current employer 401k worth 250. She contributes 9%, which is the max her employer allows. When a home improvement bill ends in September, she hopes to add another $1,000 a month to the brokerage account. $190,000 left on the mortgage, about 3.1%. No other debts. Want to spend $9,000 in monthly expenses. Would love for my wife to retire at 55 and myself at 59. Does the math work? Thanks. Chris from Philly. Philly, yep. All right. So he's 38 years old. He's got 400,000. She's got two, four, five, six, yeah. seven. They got seven, $800,000 roughly. He's 38. You got. Yeah, I already did. First pension. I you did, got I, Social Security. You I, fine. I did some math. The math works. It's fine. But t- to, to fill in the gaps, because this one takes a little analysis, which I already did. So let's start with $800,000 liquid. They're adding about 65000 a year. So without any pensions. They're going to have like five, so, so I did, five and a half million bucks. Yeah, I did 17 years at 7%. They have four and a half million. So you're just right there, right? Four and a half million dollars. Their expenses right now are 9000 a month. That's about 108000 you do a 3% inflation rate, it gets it to 178. So you take the 178 of future expenses into the future investments of four and a half million, you get 3.9% per 
distribution rate, which if you had zero, zero. pensions at age 55, we would say that might be a little tight, but you got all this other money. So yeah, you're, you're, you're golden. in great shape. Yeah. Yeah. Because you'll have the first pension, which will pay him handsomely. And then wife has social security of social security. So yeah, Chris from Philly is sitting pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think maybe you can retire at 54. Yeah. Cracking another guy, <laughs> Dr. Pepper. Chris. Got Luke from Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey guys, love the show and appreciate what you do. In short, my question is withdrawal rate you feel appropriate for capital preservation in perpetuity. Ooh, I like I like where this is going. Wow, big words. <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I are in our late 30s have been fortunate enough to work our way into some r- relatively high-paying jobs. We have a plan to get to FI in our mid-40s. Oh, five. five. I like five Come guys. On, Luke. I love Fi guys. Uh, financial, financial independence. All right. And Fi guys. And then have the flexibility to decide if we want to do the RE. Retire early. Could you imagine having a cocktail with Luke? <laughs> well, he's hey, big he's Al. That, he doesn't say fire. I want to he goes, he's we're gonna talk about Fi first. first and, hey, and, I want to talk then, about Fi and, and then re. <laughs> and then re. <laughs> fire. Financial independence, retire early. Love the concept. Don't you want everyone, no. everyone wants to do that? I think I hate the concept of being not me. Either. I just you need more hobbies. I don't think I really. <laughs> I mean, we've I've never met a fire guy that I. Joe, you I, haven't I, met I, many of people that you really like. It's like I'm saving eighty five percent of my income. I'm living in a tent down by the river. So I can retire at 45 and I got like eight million bucks. Well, I'm not saying I want to do it. I'm saying I I think it's cool. Because you know why? Because you have more control and freedom of, over your life. You're FI, yeah. but why aren't you RE? <laughs> because I like I, I like the non-RE. Oh, got it, got it. You're right, I am FI. He couldn't yeah, stay away fi. from you, Joe. Yeah. Well, you're not RE, you're RO. What's that? Retired old. Retired old? <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, 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 I, I suppose. Or RVO. Retire very old. <laughs> uh, we would like to live off of $120,000 a year per year, funded partially by real estate, of course, real estate, and the remainder from stock market withdrawals. We already own real estate and we'll be paying off the mortgage prior to this date. Our expect expectation is that it will provide about $5,000 a month of cash flow after expenses once paid off. Before listening to your show, I thought the stock market savings of $2 million and a 3% withdrawal rate would be a comfortable for our purposes. However, now I'm thinking I would likely be more conservative and accumulate to a point where I can withdraw $60,000 per year while maintaining the overall balance in our stock market accounts. What withdrawal rate would you feel allows for that? And then I can use that calculation or then I can use that to calculate the amount of stock market savings I need. Okay, so Luke, he was all pumped up on fire. He was. And he's he bought the real estate. Yeah. He's going to get the passive income. That's right. He went went to some of the fire seminars. Yes. And they told him what to do. Yeah, Grant Sabatini. Sabatier. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> mustache. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Money Mustache. You got yeah, my house in a tent. <laughs> Down by the river. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but no. I, 
That's what they they do say that. So yeah, I live in my mom's my parents' basement. <laughs> live in so. a trailer down by the river. It, yes, and, and I have a net happy. worth of four million dollars. All right. And then all of a sudden he listens to our show and he's like, Whoa, wait a minute here. Questioning. <laughs> we, we, we got this is different information. <laughs> I gotta figure something out. <laughs> all right. He wants sixty thousand dollars a year. Yeah. It depends on what age. At forty five? Yeah, I don't know. He probably needs three million. Yeah. Three and so, a half, so what would you use? Two percent, two and a half percent? Sure. But then you distribution rate. But but you're, if you're pulling money out for that long, you have no idea how long you're going to live because there's probably going to be a magic pill that you're going to live until you're 140, according to Rick Edelman. That's true. <laughs> Although I I asked Rick recently, are you going to live to 120? He goes, no, this is too late for me. <laughs> wow! Never look had, at Al name dropping. He was speaking to Rick Edelman recently. Yes, I was. Yeah. Anyway, you remember you remember how he used to always say, "Yeah." Joe Al, 120. 120. <laughs> oh. You know, everyone wants to keep their their youth. Yes. Right. But if be careful what you wish for. No, true. Because if every all your good friends and everyone else dies around you, you know. However, here's the but. So you retire at 45 and then you decide you don't like it for a couple of years, five years, whatever, go back to work. You know, maybe you're bored, maybe you want to make some more money. Right. That that's why I like it, Joe, because you've got the freedom to do that. So he's like we're saving into the stock market across pre-tax, Roth, and after-tax accounts. The uh, Vanguard index funds. Okay, I think the dual real estate and stock market plan is helpful because I can protect against sequence of return risk in the event of significant stock market losses. I would yeah. expect that to be correlated to a time of low interest rates instead of pulling equity out of the market. I could use a home uh, little line of credit on the rentals. I don't love leverage, but I think mathematically this would work well. Drink a choice. Really, any IPA. Thanks, Luke. All right, Luke. Yeah. Smart kid. Yep. Like like the plan. A couple things. So 120000 today is going to be different when you turn 45. So factor in inflation. It's probably, how old is, is Luke? Did he say? Oh, mid-40s. Oh, maybe it's not going to be that different, actually. No, <laughs> my wife and I are in our late 30s. They want to yeah. retire or they want to go FI in their mid 40s. Oh, we plan to FI. Six okay. years. Okay, got it. So late 30s. So yeah, call it six, seven, eight years. So what's 120 at three, three and a half percent inflation rate? 150,000.025. Okay, so your number is 150, not 120. So start with that. Yeah, then you and take 50,000 from his rentals. So it's 100,000. He needs, well, let's just not even, million bucks. Let's not even include, well, sure, but let's not even include the rentals to start. Well, actually, you're right, Joe. You do need to know what you need and you divide it by 2% or 2.5%, 3% if you just want to go for it. That We think that might be a little risky at your young age. But what we're saying is it's, it's not a 4% withdrawal rate at 45. You, you, there's too many things that can go wrong. He needs 3.3 million. Okay. Because 120 is today's dollars. You yep. fast forward six years, you've right. got 150 minus 60,000. Let's okay. just call it a hundred thousand dollars, but we're not even including taxes here or an additional cost of living. No, I, I don't know. Right. So you it, take 3%, you divide it in a, the, the shortfall, you got $3 million is yeah. what you're going to need. 3.3 plus sure. tax plus, yeah, continue, yeah. you know, so if you want a cushion here, yeah, you're about a million and a half short. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, and the reason why we're a little wishy-washy is when you retire that early, there's there's a lot of variables. There's so many different variables because when you're 40, you know, I'm... wait, 
What what are you gonna say now? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I don't know. I mean, right? I mean, there's a lot of things. If I retire tomorrow, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna spend way more money than if I was working. I you would. I I know that. Right? You just want to spend your money. You spend your money on the weekends. And if you retire tomorrow, I will see you uh, in three months. <laughs> Al, can I have my job back? I'll be three weeks. I'm with the I'm with the one, the two-year-old. And I oh just God. I can't do this. Yeah. I'm gonna say, you know what? One day I'm gonna it's like go pound sand. I'm so, out of here. So Rosie said, you know what? Since Joe, you're staying home, I'm gonna go back to work. Yeah. You're the well, you're, she's working. I know, but she's gonna go she's going big. Oh, she's, she's going go big. Huge. You're not gonna see her much. Yeah. She's gonna travel. Yeah. I'd be miserable. I'd I'd be a couch drunk or something. I don't know what the hell I'd do. You, well, one good thing you have a shorter life expectancy. Exactly. So you wouldn't run out of money. Yeah, exactly. I would be right. But at 40, I mean, right. I'm not a fire guy. I'm going to retire old. <laughs> or very old. Yeah, I enjoy what I do. So, you know, but if, if you're like, man, that's so many years of, all right, well, here, I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do all of that stuff cost a lot of money yes it does. But i suppose if you're fire you do the, all the coupon stuff too right you probably well, yeah. get all the deals well you do the, the last minute cruise thing where the ten thousand dollar cruise costs 1800 yeah you go on spirit airlines <laughs> <laughs> that's right and you and you smuggle in a thing of water yeah, right <laughs> no and i i mean i don't travel that often but there's i gotta at least get leg room you know i'm, I'm a big guy well, what if you're shorter? You could get away with yeah, it. I suppose. I mean, right. you, you could. You'd have to get two seats. It would blow the whole thing. <laughs> you know, love them or hate them, many fire proponents have appeared on YMYW in the past, and you can listen to a bunch of those interviews in the podcast show notes. And fire or not, no matter which stage you're in in life, decisions that you make today will affect your financial security for years to come. Download the free guide to cracking the financial code at any age. Learn financial strategies and actions to take in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s that'll help you overcome any previous missteps and set you up for a more successful retirement. I've also linked to the YMYW podcast episode on spitballing retirement planning in your 30s, too. Just click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and access all of these free financial resources. Then spread the knowledge and share YMYW with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. We're having some fun here today. Yeah, we are. Let's go to Jake from VA. Okay. Greetings, big fan of the show. I've been listening to your podcast for around a year now and happily making my way through older podcasts. As I wait the release of your new episode each week, he's just like, I'm pins and needles. (laughs) It's like, come on, Tuesday, where are you? I want to listen to all their episodes just to make up the difference. <laughs> I wonder if like something else comes out on Tuesday that he loves. He's got to really think about it. Oh, Which one am I going for no, first? Man. Here's my situation. I'll be changing jobs in the next month. And I'm curious about planning opportunities regarding my retirement savings. I'm currently on target to max out my Roth 401k for 2023 by end of year. As I understand it, the IRS looks at 401k contributions in aggregate, meaning I'm capped at the 22.5 limit for all my 401ks, old employer plus new employer. With that said, I'm wondering if there are any planning opportunities ahead of changing jobs. Okay. Okay. So he's switching jobs. Right. He's looking for other planning opportunities. Here's some other facts that Jake has. I am not vested with my current employer's 401k match. The new company 
I'm not vested with my current employer's 401k match, so that'll be a loss. Yep. Okay. The new company will match 3% and does a 12% profit sharing contribution. Annual contribution will be 180. My annual income will be 180 to 200,000 for me, 125,000 for the wife. So 300 to 325 of total household income. Wife is maxing out her 403B contribution, does not currently contribute to her 457 plan. Last year, we started making non-deductible IRA contributions. I converted mine to Roth. Wife did not. Wonder why the wife did not. Maybe she doesn't listen to the show. Maybe. <laughs> but Jake's like, hey, I'm going to do this back door, honey. You want to do it? Nope. That, don't want to do that. Don't That's understand a, it. Makes no sense. I don't want to do any backdoor stuff. <laughs> $23,000 in Roth 401k. Current employer, whom I'll soon be leaving. Okay. $80,000 in wife's Roth 403b. $100,000 in wife traditional IRA. Oh, there it is. That's why. Little pro rata rule. Yeah, there you go. $225,000 in traditional 401k past employer, $365,000 in Roth IRAs, $80,000 in cash. We're trying to keep spending around $125,000. I'm 38, yo. My wife is 33, yo. Daughter's two, yo. Yellow Lab is two, yo. Yo. <laughs> I drive a 2019 Ford F 150. My wife drives 2018 Camry Hybrid. My wife enjoys a nice craft beer or a glass of white wine. Those are kind of two opposites. They are, but I like good. It. Yeah. A little craft beer. Yeah. The thicker, the better. <laughs> uh, you like hoppy. <laughs> I know you don't. Man. I hung up my drinking cap and mainly just stick to seltzers and coffee these days. Thanks for all you do. Any spitballing on my situation would be greatly appreciated. Best, Jake. Damn. All right. So they make really good income, and they're doing a really good job saving for their ages, 38 and 33. It is true. So if you if you have two 401ks, either because you have two employers or you had one employer and you quit your job and you started with another employer, you're limited to the cap of 22500 between all companies, right? So, and if you, it, here's here's how that works is, I mean, your new company would have no idea, so they would just keep withholding. But if you do too much, then it shows up on your tax return and your tax software will kick that out as ordinary income, the excess, because you didn't, you shouldn't have got a tax deduction. And if it was a Roth contribution, you should get at least a note that says, take it out. Because if you don't, there's a 6% excise tax every year, you keep it in there. So that is a true statement in terms of like planning between the two. I mean, if, if you had an opportunity, if like, let's just say if both plans have a match, it seems like maybe one doesn't have a match. Or but he, he doesn't qualify. He doesn't qualify for it maybe, but if both plans had a match and you were able to maximize the match in both plans, then you would obviously do that. Another idea or thought is to keep, both plans? Do you roll the old plan into the new plan, which is probably what I would do just for simplicity? I'm, I'm not sure what other planning techniques you'd have. Well, I mean, they make a ton of income now. So I would fully fund her 457, 403D plan. That reduces your taxable income. They want to spend 125000 They make 300 some odd thousand, right? Minus taxes. There's some discretionary income there. I would then look at my taxable income. Does it make sense for her to do some Roth conversions, maybe to the top of the 24% tax bracket because they're 30 years old? Yeah, maybe. Right. Yep. That 24 is going to go to 28 at some point. 
You know, so maybe they maximize that 24% tax bracket over the next couple of years while they have excess cash flow. And then they got the time value money in a Roth IRA. I really like that. And then that could free up her IRA for her to do backdoors, you know, for quite some time. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you're going to want to get a lot of this 401k money into uh, a Roth IRA. You know, over time, you always have to be cognizant of your tax bracket. But being as young as you are, you've got a lot of years to do it. So you don't have to go too aggressive at any one point. Right now, we've got low tax rates. The 24% bracket for a married couple goes up to, gosh, I think around 360,000. It's a, it's a big number. And at once you pass that, you go to 32%, which is which is likely too high. The, the brackets are supposed to go up higher in 2026. So just be aware of that. But yeah, when you've got time on your side, Jake, like you guys have, you can be sensible and maybe chip it away at this a little bit each year, or maybe certain years where, where you're in too high of a tax bracket, you don't do Roth conversions or whatever. But that's, yeah, I think that's that's all I can think of, maybe. Yeah, I like that. All right. Carl, Carl Spackler. All right. This question is for Big Al. I noticed that the capital gains rate is 20% if married with income over 517000 Is investment income included in that 517000 or only work-related income, i.e. wages? Furthermore, are the capital gains rates tiered like income taxes? In other words, the first 83 is not taxed and the 434 is taxed and 15% in anything above 517 is tax as always. Thanks, Carl. So, yeah, so that's a question about how capital gains taxes. So, so I guess think of it like this, do your tax return without the capital gains. That's, that's kind of like your starting point. And where do you end up with as far as your taxable income? Okay. That's your starting point. If you're, if you're in the 22% bracket, that means you don't qualify for the 0% capital gains. You're in the 15% capital gains, right? If you're if you're in the highest tax bracket, you're probably in the 37%. Yes, it is tiered, but you start with your ordinary income. Like here, quick example, like the, like for a married couple, the top of the 12% bracket is about 90,000. Let's just say that. And if your taxable income without the capital gain is 80,000, then you throw on another $20,000 of capital gain. Well, 10,000 of that gain is taxed at zero and 10,000 is taxed at 15%. So you do get the tiered, but which tiers you're in is completely dependent upon where you're starting from on ordinary income. I think maybe that's the best way to think about it. All right. So let's say I have a million dollar capital gain, right? Yeah. And so my ordinary income is $80,000. I have a million dollar capital gain. Well, I got 10,000 of the million is going to be tax-free. That's right. Right. And then from there, now I got $990,000 of capital gain. Uh, 500 of that is going to be taxed at 15 and the remaining is going to be taxed at 20. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then there's the net investment income tax of 3.8% that gets thrown in there once your income's over 250. But that's, yeah, yes, it's tiered. You could theoretically have all three tiers if your income is in the lowest bracket, but right. it has to be in that lowest bracket to get those three tiers. All right, Carl, thanks for the question. Your chance at a $100 Amazon gift card is waiting for you in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Answer 17 questions in the sixth annual YMYW podcast survey, and you're entered to win. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to go to the show notes and access the survey and the secret password. Legitimate, complete entries with honest opinions about what would make your money, your wealth, your favorite, 
funniest, top, best personal finance podcast will be in the running for the hundred bucks. U.S. residents only, no purchase necessary. Survey and giveaway close and winner chosen at 4 p.m. Pacific time on August 31st, 2023. We got Olga. She writes in. She goes, my daughter, my daughter, her husband and I uh, bought a house in Chula Vista. I paid cash, million dollars. And my agreement with them was for them to their house on the market, which they oh, put their house on the market, which they did. Yeah, I think so. They have agreed to pay me back each one third of what I paid. This balance on their house is about 200000 And they are asking $1.1 million. And they just got an offer for a full price. What is the best way for them to pay me and not be slammed with high taxes on the sale? Got it. Okay. We want to try to decipher that. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> All right. So she bought a house with her daughter and her husband. Yeah. And so she gave them a million dollars. They, she said, Hey, sell your house. They said, okay, we're going to sell our house. They got $200,000 of debt. They sold it for 1.1. They're going to receive $900,000 back from the sale or the proceeds of right. the seller house. Right. What's the best way for them to pay me and not get slammed in taxes? Well, I mean, if they pay you, the, the, the tax doesn't happen when they pay her. Yeah, it, The taxes happen when they sell the house. And what we're missing here is what they paid for the house. Yeah. So let's just make an assumption that they paid a million dollars for the house and they're selling it for $1.1 million. So it's only a $100,000 gain. Okay. Not the million. It's a $100,000 gain. And furthermore, Section 121 exclusion says that if you own the house and live in the house for at least two out of the last five years, you get to exclude as a married couple $500,000 of gain. So if my numbers, if my assumptions right here, there is no gain. So Joe, you're exactly right. Paying off a debt doesn't affect taxation at all. It's the sale. And basically when you're looking at homes, it's the difference between what you sell the home for versus what you bought it for. And if you if you did improvements, well, then it's like you paid more for your home. So the gain is less. And when you sell it, you'll have closing costs, which reduces the sales price. So really you sold it for less. So it's the net sales price minus your basis. Basis is your purchase price plus improvements. Then if you're married and the gain is less than $500,000, there is no tax. And if you're single, it's $250,000 gain exclusion. So it depends on what they bought it for, but paying you back the million dollars that you bought the house for, they're not going to get slammed in taxes. Correct. So, all right. What do we got? LJ from Philly. couple more Philly. Philly. Okay. Okay. All right. Hey, folks. I've been moving money from my non-Roth 401k into my Vanguard IRA and then doing conversions into my Roth for a couple of years. I'm 55 and married with a total income of $250,000. This year, we sold an investment property that we held for about a decade. And while the numbers aren't in our gain, we'll be four. Um, while the numbers aren't all in, our gain will be about four to 500000 I've looked on various IRS sites, and it seems that this gain is treated not exactly like either a normal capital gain or normal income. I'm also not sure how the return of depreciation is considered. I look to do conversions to the top of the married 24% tax bracket. Do I need to worry about the income from the investment property sale, or do I just look at my normal W-2 and 1099 income when figuring out how much I can convert to not bust that 24% limit. 
I drive a 2012 Honda Civic with $160,000 or 160,000 miles that's refusing to die. And I enjoy a good Italian Barlow. Barolo? I don't know what that is. Barolo. It's a type of wine. Okay. Barolo. Barlo. <laughs> I'm going to try a little Italian Barlo. Let's see if we can find some. Yep. Crack it open next show. With a ribeye steak on the grill. Thanks. All right. So he's got a capital gain. He sold a rental sure. property. He's got four or $500,000 of gain on that. So, yeah, you got to split that up into a couple of different things. Yeah. I, so I'll say it this way. Your, your thinking is right, but there's several cautions here I want to I tell you about. So when you, when you think about capital gains and ordinary income, capital gains sit on top of ordinary income. What, what I mean by that is calculate your ordinary income first. So all your ordinary income minus your deductions, like standard deduction, for example, or itemized deduction, that becomes your ordinary income. Think, look at that as your what what that figure is. That's your taxable income for ordinary income. You're not going to see that on your tax return. That's just what I'm telling you what to do for planning. Okay, then you get that number. You're in the 24% bracket. Great. In fact, you got $100,000 that you could do a Roth conversion and still stay in the 24% bracket. So all that works, right? And you stay in the 24% bracket and your capital gains then are still taxed at capital gain rates. But the reason why you probably don't want to do this is because that extraordinary income is going to push your capital gains into higher brackets and you're going to have a higher amount of net investment income tax. So you're talking of extra 5% tax and extra 3.8% tax. So while you're thinking you're being really smart, you probably added almost 10% of extra taxes by doing this. So it's a good concept and it, it may partially work but just have that caution. It's not going to work exactly like you think it will based upon the numbers you gave us. Right, because he's going to go to the top of the 24% tax bracket with the Roth conversion. And then this four or $500,000 is going to sit on top of that. Right. And it's, it, gonna, it's gonna it, it's capital gains tax is now twenty percent. Yeah, instead of fifteen and and more of that capital gain will be taxed at the at that three point eight percent net investment income tax. So it's you're not gonna get quite the result. So you may wait a year. You may wait a year. I mean, if you don't want to do any calculations, wait a year. If you want to do some calculations and fine tune it, maybe you can do a little bit this year, but not not quite what you think. And then you got uh, depreciation recapture. Yeah, or that's a higher tax rate. LJ uh, return of depreciation. Yeah, so that's taxed at, at potentially a 25% rate. It's actually the lower of your, your ordinary rate or the 25%. In your particular case, it sounds like it'd be probably taxed at 24%. So no harm, no foul. But that piece of your gain is not capital gain. So you have to take that out of the equation too. So it's a little more complicated than you might think. And, and like I say, if you want to do the calculations, great. If you don't, just wait till next year on your Roth conversion. All right. We got uh hello YMYW team. Jim from Santa Cruz calling. It's been several months since my last confession. Uh, but I still listen each week as I trudge the stairs at Apatos Beach. He's maybe maybe, maybe Aptos, I'm guessing. Apatos, Aptos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my ears perked up during the intro to Shell 435. Oh, you remember that one? I do. Uh, when <laughs> uh, it began with Andy mentioning a little dirty oh, a little about Jack and Diane, my ears. Uh, perked up even more when Joe began reading and Andy clarified that this wasn't the Jack and Diane from Jim from Santa Cruz, but my ears became spock-like when Diane called me last week. 
Here's Diane. <laughs> this gets so confusing. Diane Scott <laughs> was recently eliminated in a company downsizing. She planned to work two more years when she reached age 65 and qualified for Medicare. They also plan to sell their home and spend the next few years traveling. Now they may be forced to sell this year. Jack and Diane bought their home 20 years ago, and it has always been their primary residence. They estimate the sale will generate a profit of around $400,000 below the taxable threshold for the IRS. Diane now needs to know how, if at all, the home sale will affect her ability to qualify for Affordable Care Act subsidies. Uh, she downloaded FTB Form 3849, but the instructions are nearly impossible for the average civilian to understand. Fortunately, Big Al is not an average civilian. Can you tell us if the state of California considers sale of personal residence where the profit is below 500K as income for calculating covered California subsidies? Thanks, as always, for the awesome show. All right. So, Diane, Jack and Diane sold their house. They're... Profit is four hundred thousand, so the one twenty one exclusion is five hundred thousand. So the four hundred thousand is not going to be taxable event to them. But is that four hundred thousand dollars going to show up on the return somewhere to blow up the subsidies for health insurance for Jack and Diane? Yeah, it's a great, great question. The Affordable Care Act: if your income is low enough, you actually get help from the government paying your insurance. That's the whole concept here. And so um, the answer is uh, no, it does not show up on your return. It does not affect your ability uh, to get the Affordable Care Act. You will record it on your return, potentially. In some cases, you don't even have to do that. But it'll show if it does show up, it'll be on Schedule D, which is capital gains. It'll show your sales price. It'll show your cost basis. It'll show your gain. And then the next column will be an exception to the gain. It zeroes it out. So nothing shows up on page one of the 1040, and that's what's important for this calculation. If you live in your house two over the last five years as your primary residence, then you qualify for the 121 tax exclusion. So that's, if you're single, it's 250,000 of gain that you can exclude from taxes. If you're married, it's 500,000. So it's a pretty big perk, and that's every two out of the last five. So it's not like a one-time deal. Every time you live in your primary residence, two out, and if you live there two out of five years, you get to take advantage of that uh, gain exclusion uh, to avoid uh, capital gains taxes on your primary. So, um, sounds good. Good news, Big Al. Not your yeah. average civilian. Uh, apparently, I'm 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 a little bit better than the average. I'll take it. Yeah, you're no average bear. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. We can grind out uh, another quick one here. Hi, Joe and Al. My name is Adam. I'm 27 and a bit of a nomad. I already read this one. Yes. So. <laughs> you got to cross that off. Yeah. And so by the way, I'll just I'll mention in advance, you know, if, if you guys are going to be making up names, try and come up with something more creative, because now we've got two different Jack and Diane's that we got to keep straight. So give me something a little bit more unusual to to, to work with. <laughs> well, how does not, not, is too, that... not, not too unusual, because then Joe won't be able to pronounce it. Well, yes. that's half the fun. <laughs> if what what I got out of that is that Jack and Diane is Jim from Santa Cruz's buddies, and he yeah. referred them to the show, and he's been helping them out with their financial planning needs because I think Jim from Santa Cruz is actually an advisor because yeah. he has some pretty complex questions. And then to his surprise, he's like, "Wait a minute." Jack and Diane are actually writing in. And so maybe that was the real Jack and Diane. Maybe, right? From the John Cougar Mellencamp song? 
No, from <laughs> no, Jim. From, from, from Jim. From yeah. Jim. Right. I, my it's guess possible. Is, it's possible. My guess is there are a lot of Jack and Diane's out there that Jim helps. Oh, several hundred for sure. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you for uh, we got another one star. Just wanted to announce that. Thank we you did. very much. That that helps the cause. What was the what was the comment? It's a one. That's that's the comment. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for the. That's not too helpful on how to improve. I know. We're just gonna, <laughs> <laughs> just throw on that one star and go. Hey, a. Hey, all right. And if if you give us five stars, just go B2. (laughs) This guy's playing bingo over here and he's giving us one star. But maybe thought that was good. Maybe. Yeah. We did get a five star. We did? Yeah. Your money or wealth. What they say. Yeah. It's like he's talking about his favorite podcast. Who's this guy? Innocent bystander. Interested. Okay. I like I like innocent. That's a that's yeah, better I'm an innocent bystander. <laughs> All right, that's it for us. We're out of here. Appreciate everyone's emails and questions. Andy, wonderful job. Thank you as always. Thank you. And uh Big Al. Good to have you back in the studio. It was fun. All right, that's yeah, it. That's we gotta good. take a break. All right, we're out of here. We're uh good. we'll see you next week. Show's got your money well. We've got Dr. Pepper versus Virgil's, Blake Lively and the Age of Adeline, and Aptos Beach and Rocky in the derails at the very end of the episode, so stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by sharing the show and by leaving your honest reviews and ratings for your money, your wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. Your money, your wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the get and assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Well, die DP, huh? Has that ever been your drink of choice? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> the farthest. Oh my God. Okay. I yeah. thought that was going to be your answer. Yes. I mean, when you were six? <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, you probably didn't I, drink I'm, diet. I'm, no, I'm not a pepper. <laughs> Not Are a pepper. You, you a pepper. I'm a pepper. Won't you uh, like to be a pepper too? No, I'm not. Wasn't actually. that the Wasn't that the theme song? That was the theme song many years ago. Yes, and I not. am. I or at least I was a pepper. I that was Where my drink. And I, yeah. I remember hearing like way back in the past that it was made of prunes or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it is, but <laughs> yeah, I haven't had a Dr Pepper. In, I can't tell you how long. I, would, I haven't even I, seen it. I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I've seen it. I know someone that likes them, but I, I don't think I've had a Dr. Pepper for 30, 40 years, if I'm guessing. Yeah. I think I've had a Diet Dr. Pepper once. You oh. did. Like a Diet Dr. Pepper and a regular Dr. Pepper are like two totally different things. <laughs> diet <laughs> anything I think oh. is gross. And a Diet Coke is, I mean, I can I tolerate a Diet Coke, even though it's been a long time since how I've about, had it. How about Coke Zero? I'm not. <laughs> I only drink like a, a soda when I'm doing the show, and it's been sun kissed. Yep. Yes, I know. Right. So I probably had four sodas in the last six months. Got it. Got it. I'm drinking. I right upped now. my soda game. I'm, I'm now doing Virgil's instead of Dr. Pepper. 
Your what? Virgil? Virgils. Yeah, it's they make root beer and all sorts of other stuff, but the root beer is my favorite. And what not is, the diet version. What is what is Virgil? Virgils is the name of the company. They make root beer. And they do black cherry soda and all sorts of other stuff too. It's high higher quality. They make it with real cane sugar instead of high fructose corn syrup. Oh, okay. Is it like in a glass bottle? Yes, it is. Oh, well, and is- they do also have the root beer zero or whatever, which is made with Splenda or something like that, which I think is gross. <laughs> okay. It's it's real sugar and nothing for me. I, you know, I I watched this movie and I forget the name of it. Harrison Ford's in it. You like Harrison Ford? I did. Oh, th- this is I'll a, probably this know. This is it. another rom com. I might. And it's Ryan Reynolds' wife. What's her name? Anyone? Anyone? Ryan Reynolds' wife. Yeah. yeah. Um, I need more than that. God. Andy, will look at it. Yeah. Yep. Tip of my tongue. Anyway. Blake Lively. Yes. Thank you. Blake okay. Lively. No. So know. she gets in a car accident, and then she stops aging at the age of twenty-three. No, I didn't. I don't know that one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I missed that one. That's a doozy. Got okay. Let me so she looks again. the same, right? And then all of a sudden, everyone like her her daughter. Is, looks like a real old lady and she still looks super hot. Got it. But I mean, it's, she's miserable because she can't have long-term relationships and everything because they're like, oh my God, why don't you age? Yeah, right. So, okay. Well, that's anyway. handy. What is that? <laughs> but oh, what I'm saying is that, you know, everyone wants to keep their their youth. Yes. Where's Aptos Beach in Santa Cruz? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> have you been to Aptos Beach? I have. <laughs> And that's that is such good. That's brilliant, Joe. That you knew it was in Aptos. <laughs> it was in Santa Cruz because he did say that. Yes. So what are these like stairs, like rocky stairs that he's that he's climbing? Uh, I he's think like a workout. Is it? That's what he's doing for his workout. He's mentioned that a few different times. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember if they're rocky stairs or metal stairs or or wood stairs. But oh, you know, Rocky the movie. Have you ever seen Rocky? You know, when yeah, he yeah. the stairs and then they make them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right. It's, well, it's it sounds like Jim does that every time he climbs and kind of victory. Pump. Yeah. When you build a statue for him. 